Welcome to Get to the Hook. I am your host, Charles Latibodier from uh, TMZ, of course, and I'm joined by TMZ's music expert, or actually we used to call him the music savant. The idiot savant, actually. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Some people said idiot, but Some I people. preferred music. I felt like that was more polite and more accurate. Uh, Eric Colley, um, who, honestly, you have from, this has been, what, 15 years now that I marvel. I tell people about Eric all the time, that you can tell him any song in the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, and he will tell you, yeah, I think that charted at whatever. <laughs> And he knows it and usually comes within one or two of where it, uh, where it lands. If I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. Right. People are like, you could just Which make that weird. up. Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird for people in this office because people <laughs> just pretend that they know everything. Right. Um, but so get to the hook. I want to tell you what our podcast is going to be about. So uh, we have great conversations here in the office just about music, about um, music news, uh, artists who are making news. And then we always start having these conversations where we're like, oh, that reminds me of, oh, and this is interesting. And uh, we decided let's actually share some of those conversations with you. So the idea is there'll be something that has happened in the news. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. That's uh, what that's TMZ sort of, is for. That's exactly. But this is going to be the jumping off point. So we're going to tell you some other stuff that you may not have realized about that particular topic. Um, let's get right to the hook, as they say, because this week we are talking about The Greatest Night in Pop. Uh, if you haven't seen this documentary on Netflix, um, it is doing incredibly well. It's still in the top 10. You should check it out. It's all about the making of We Are the World and the, the night that they recorded it. It's about how they came up with the concept, who wrote it, and then getting all of these artists, the most amazing artists in the world in 1985, all in one room, in one night, to record the song We Are the World. Uh, here is just a little bit of that documentary. One, two. We are the world. We are the children. The greatest artists of a generation came together to save some lives. Must be in a dream, huh? <laughs> hello, hello. But we only had one night to get this right. Let's get this party started. Which, we, but that documentary was so great. First of all, the fun fact I learned is that Al Jarreau was apparently hammered through the whole thing. I had no <laughs> idea. Uh, that's the beauty of editing. We right. didn't know that, but that's what's great about this documentary is seeing all those moments, Al Jarreau being <laughs> drunk. Um, uh, who walked out? Waylon Jennings. Oh, Waylon Jennings. Did not right. want to sing in Swahili. Right. Little boys don't sing in Swahili, he said. <laughs> He does have a point, but He's anyway. Not wrong uh, about that. But We Are the World, everybody, of course, knows that song. It was after the American Music Awards in 1985 when they were all in Los Angeles. Recorded this song as famine relief, or, or to provide money for famine relief in Ethiopia, which had a huge drought between 83 and 85. And uh, it, it's the one everybody knows, but it is just sort of the, the, the tip of the iceberg of the massive all-star charity single. It's, yeah. It's its, its um, own weird sub-genre of music. And, and sometimes they knock it out of the park and you have a huge hit. Some songs that are actually, that chart and do extremely well, like We Are The World did. And then others that are really great songs but don't chart. And then others that they really should not have done at all. Right. Um, we're going to hit on all of those. Uh, yeah. A, a little bit of uh, everything there for you. So, uh, because this actually... While We Are the World is the one that gets the most attention and was certainly commercially the most successful, 
There are so many others, and that wasn't even the first one. It was not the first one. If you want to go way back, the first song that was sort of designed as a charity benefit song and also the offshoot, the charity all-star concert, was back in 1971. George Harrison, fresh off the breakup of the Beatles, uh, is friends with Ravi Shankar. Ravi Shankar goes to George because a cyclone had hit Bangladesh and killed hundreds of thousands of people. And he's like, George, you have to help me do something. So George Harrison writes the song, Bangladesh, uh, becomes a hit, raises a lot of money, and then he organizes the uh, concert for Bangladesh at Madison Square Garden. And this is where you start seeing the all-star thing come in. Because the song itself was just George. Right. The concert was George, Ravi Shankar, Ringo Starr, of course, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, who's going to figure into a couple of these songs, uh, Billy Preston, Leon Russell, the group Badfinger, raised a ton of money and was a huge success. Yeah. Um, I, I remember some of the, seeing the you know video of, the, uh, of that concert. Big, uh, a big success. Uh, great show, and um, and obviously somebody saw that and remembered it because uh, what thirteen years yeah, later it was it was it's it's amazing to me that there weren't more copycats of that originally right um, but it wasn't the the modern day big all star single happened in 1984 so Bob Geldof who was lead singer of the British group the Boomtown Rats they do the song I don't like Mondays uh, he saw a news report about starving kids in Ethiopia and this was in October I think of 84 and he's like. I have to do something. So he called his friend Midjur. He was in this uh, British group called Ultravox. And they decide they're going to make a song and they're going to get all their famous friends on it to bring in a lot of attention, make a lot of money, but they wanted it out for Christmas of 84. This is early November at this that's, point. That, wait, that's amazing that he came, it was October of 84. The when end of October. They wow. recorded it, I believe, on November 25th and 6th. Wow. Yeah, so, okay. so Geldof uh, starts going out to get everybody he can, and this is like some of, this is like who's who of 80s British pop music. You got Duran uh, Duran, George Michael, Sting, Phil Collins, uh, Boy George was on it. All these huge, huge stars come together to record the song, Do They Know It's Christmas? And by the way, this is a song that, even though it was back in 84, um, people today probably know this song because it gets played every year. It's a Christmas song. It comes back every year. Here's a little bit of the chorus of it. I think that's one of the better of these kinds of songs. Yeah. It's a catchy song. It's got a little bounce to it. Uh, and even some of the people who couldn't be a part of the recording still sent in voice messages that were put on the B side of the song. So David Bowie, Paul McCartney, they were urging people to go out. Bob Del Geldof pushed to get this on the BBC. It aired round the clock. By the end of 1984, so in less than a month, it sold 3 million copies, that which is... is insane for anybody. But then think of the population of the UK. Right. It's significantly smaller. So everyone was buying this song. It raised a ton of money. And it set off this wave that has come and gone, ebbed and flowed ever since then. And it is the, uh, the direct inspiration for We Are the World, which uh, they get together a month later or in, after Christmas uh, in mid-January to record that song. Right. Or, and actually, they put that one together... Well, maybe even faster. Because, yeah, so Harry Belafonte is the one who saw We Are the World. I mean, uh, Harry Belafonte is the one who saw Do They Know It's Christmas. And he's like, that is a great idea. We should do an American version of it. Right. Because we're a bigger country, it could be, have even more impact. So he And I love the out. fact that we should say it, it is Black History Month. And one of the things that Harry Belafonte saw was well, these are black people in Africa who are starving. We as black artists in this country should get together and do something about it. Because Band-Aid was very white. 
Yes. It just, it was. Well, it's British. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's British 80s synth pop. I, I think I remember like part. one or two black people. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, he wants to organize this. He reaches out to a guy named Ken Cragen, and this is in the, the Greatest Night in Pop documentary. He's a, a, an A-list artist manager, and he goes right to the two guys he knows can write this song, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson. Uh, bravo. Yeah, that, bravo. Was, that was smart on his... On his yes, uh, very smart, and especially remember in 85, Michael Jackson is everything. Lionel Richie is, you know, if Michael Jackson is the 1A top of the heap, yeah. Lionel Richie is just a notch below yeah, that. Yeah, like, Lionel was just about hits. to win Album of the Year for Can't Slow Down. He was coming off of <clears throat> one of the biggest albums in history. So the two of them get together, and they realize... Part of the problem is, how do you coordinate the schedules of all these stars? And that's when they were like, oh, the American Music Awards. Which Lionel Richie happened to be hosting that year, yeah. which is amazing that he went through. And hosting an award show is not like a simple thing. Like you just show up and read the teleprompter. There's a lot of rehearsing that goes into it. And on Lionel top of Richie, that, he has to write. write this song, help <laughs> produce it, and get everybody together. And amazingly, it happened. January yeah. 28, 1985, after the AMAs. Like it was, it was just the who's who of mid '80s pop music. I mean, Lionel and Michael are there. Obviously, Quincy Jones is producing it, the hottest producer in the world. They got Bruce Springsteen to come and do it. They got Cyndi Lauper, Holland Oates, Tina Turner. It's like the Stevie Wonder, the biggest artist of that moment. Right. Plus, you had people who were already icons at that point, like Ray Charles was there, Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson showed up. Uh, famously, someone who did not was Prince. Right. Who um, was also, I mean, coming right off of Purple Rain. Right, and they they wanted to have Prince there. Um, he did not show up. He, <laughs> they tried to get him after the American Music Awards. They had Sheila E there, which they say in the documentary she feels like they used her as bait to get Prince. And Lionel Richie's like, yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course it is. She made phone, a phone call to him during the session, like, hey, we're all here. It's kind of cool. And he was uh, like, nah, Prince I'm good. Doesn't show up, uh, he but did he did the... record a song that's on the album, which I think a lot of people don't. I mean. You and I remember this because right. we we're of the age where we actually bought. I have the LP. Yeah, I have that. We are the world. Um, we are the world. Obviously, is the lead single, but there were a bunch of other songs that artists sang, uh, performed on their own. And Prince did a song that was included on yeah, the album. It's called "For the Tears in Your Eyes," and he recorded a video for it for Live Aid. Uh, also, one of the groups on that album was called Northern Lights. It was the Canadian version because this was becoming a, a worldwide thing at this point. Every country's like, we got to get. Our right. A-list charity people on this. Uh, Northern Lights had Brian Adams, Loverboy, Getty Lee from Rush. Like, Of course. <laughs> your, your A-list Canadian pop stars of the mid-80s. Uh, of course, We Are the World was a phenomenon. It, it debuted at number 20 on the Hot 100, which it's tied with Thriller, the single, as the highest debuting song of the entire 1980s decade. Wow. Well, they also, didn't they debut it? And this was something that I don't know if you could do today. Like, they had every radio station or every pop radio station in the country play it at the same time the day it debuted on yeah, and, Friday. Yeah, and they were playing it like every hour. Yeah. But also people were buying it. I've read uh, Tower Records in L.A. said they sold a thousand copies in two days, which the manager said the number one song in the country at that time would sell about 100 to 125 copies. Right. This thing sold a thousand. There is something to the fact that if you, if you give people a way that they can help, but you also give them a great product, like a, a song that they enjoy. Hey, here's the new Michael Jackson song. About. Right. <laughs> And you, they know that buying it is actually going to do some good and, you know, for charity. Yeah. You get why they yeah. decided, hey, this is a great thing. And We Are the World sets off uh, a, a wave of these right. things. Because, and this is where eventually the backlash will come in because some of this was very altruistic. Some of it was, hey, 
<laughs> I can make a lot of money and get famous doing I, this. Yeah, I can get a lot of attention. Right. Um, so there, there is definitely some of that that went on. But I do think there were some good songs that came out of this. There were. Right after We Are the World, uh, not, it, was, it was not a famine relief song. It was um, Artists United Against Apartheid, about the, the racial dis- uh, segregation in South Africa. Little Stephen Van, D- Van Zandt from the E Street Band. R.I.P.? Yeah. No, he's still alive. Did Isn't he, he die? Did he die? Oh, I thought he... Why did I, honestly, I thought he died last year. <laughs> Maybe not. All right. Anyway, uh, little... <laughs> but eventually, R.I.P. <laughs> At some point, uh, little Stephen Van Zant from the E Street Band puts this together. He did not want to get Bruce Springsteen involved initially. He thought it's too obvious. Right. I don't want to call in the favor. He had just done "We Are the World," but Bruce came in and did it Bruce anyway. Came in. Uh, this is a little bit of their song "Sun City" about boycotting the uh, Sun City Resort in South Africa, urging artists not to play there and support apartheid. This is what the song sounded like. I think that is my favorite of these it's kinds of songs. such a jam. Like, it's just a great song. It's got a great beat. You can move along. And I, I got to say, as a, I can't remember how old I was in 85, but um, 16? 37. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this song, not only was it for a great cause, but it actually, I think, educated a lot of people that this was even a it's thing. A, a lot it's of first time I ever country. heard the word apartheid. I right. didn't know that. You learned and, about apartheid. You learned that why, I mean, it was it was educational as well as, you know, something you could dance to. And that that's the thing. It's so different than so many of the songs that came before it and so many of the ones we're going to get into because they tend these kind of songs tend to be these sentimental kind of overwrought sort of saccharine anthem. ballads. Yeah, yeah you got to have a big thing. This was a jam. It had kind of a hip-hop beat. It also was the first one of these songs to introduce rappers to Cherry right. songs. Right, I know. They actually, I, I feel like they, the rap uh, parts of the song really worked. It didn't feel yeah. kind of forced Because they there. had, uh, Run DMC was part of it, the biggest rap act in the world. Then Curtis Blow, DJ Cool Herc, Africa Bombada, the Fat Boys. You had legit mid-80s hip-hop royalty on this song. And yep. that's why it's a lot cooler than yeah. a lot of these yeah. other songs. A really cool song. Speaking of, like, but not cool... Somebody I want to bring up because he's oddly going to come up a couple of times in this conversation. John Denver. Speaking of cool. John, all right. John Denver was not on. Um, he was, was not on not the other on... world. And that was that was a real uh, sore spot for him because John Denver had done years of all kinds of humanitarian work. He gave to lots of charities. He organized for things. And he was so excited to be a part of We Are the World and was told straight up, you can't be in this because you're not cool enough. They thought that he would damage the reputation of the celebrities that were there because by 1985, really? John Denver's about a decade past his superstardom. And he yeah. had that kind of like, you know, 70s, folky, sunshine on my sh- shoulders thing. Yeah, but just put him in the chorus. I mean, they put like, Dan Aykroyd in the chorus. You could put John right? Denver in there. John Denver should have been in that chorus to say that he wasn't cool. There he were did. plenty of people in that room that weren't all that cool. All, not all that cool. But the sad thing is that John Denver was very, very hurt about this. Uh, he said, it broke my heart not to be included in his autobiography. Aww. And then the insult to the injury is when you see the behind-the-scenes footage, there's one part where Paul Simon looks around the room at all of the biggest stars, and he goes, if a bomb lands on this place, John Denver's back on top. I mean, kick the man I while mean, he's down. kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of it's funny. funny. Very dark, but, but funny. John Denver kind of winds up being an important figure in this story anyway, because after We Are the World, the Live Aid concert happens. Oh, it was directly organized by Bob Geldof, who had also helped put We Are the World together. He was involved in that because he was the inspiration for it. Of course, the most iconic thing from Live Aid is Queen. Queen yes. performing. Yes. That's why that was the, the end of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Freddie Mercury 
you know, with the, that white tank top and little mustache. Mm-hmm. It's it's iconic. Um, but a full for those that are not Live Aid, a a full day's concert in two different venues uh, in London. In Philadelphia. Uh, and then in Philadelphia. Phil Collins performed at both shows. Took Road to Concord, right? Set a Guinness World Record being the first performer to perform the same concert on two continents in the same day. So many incredible performances that happened on the day of Live Aid. And the thing I remember most about it is that I did not see a single one of them. I actually probably didn't see most of those Live Aid performances until they started breaking some of them down on like MTV because, and I remember this and it haunts me to this day that I was at at an age where I felt independent enough. I was 16. So I was like, oh, I want to go hang out with my friends or I'm going to go do this. But my mother was very much like, no, when there's a family event, you're going to the, you're, you live under my roof and you're coming with me. And someone in my family was having a cookout that day. And my mom said, you're going. We went to their house. They didn't have MTV. They didn't have, they didn't actually have it on TV at all. Like I was at the cookout going, hey, is anybody going to watch Live Aid? And they're like, come on, shut up. No. And, and so I never saw any of it. I remember driving home. My mom was like, that was a nice day. And I was just going, yeah, it's pretty. I wanted to watch Live Aid. Didn't and see it, Live Aid. It's too bad you didn't because you could have seen Led Zeppelin. The reunion that was so terrible. Oh, was blocked, it? It was so bad. Phil Collins played drums that they have blocked it from ever being rebroadcast and had it pulled from the DVD when it was released. Oh, well, you can't you can't that. watch that performance. They have really? buried it because they're like, it's so horrible. We don't want anyone to ever see it again. <laughs> it was it was bad. Thanks a lot, Mom. <laughs> Madonna and, showed up which, because Madonna was not invited to We Are the World, which is mind let just, blowing. Let me just talk for just a moment about the Madonna thing. Why wasn't Madonna there? And I, and I know in the documentary they make some reference to like there was a battle with Cindy Lauper. Well, Ken, Ken Cragen said that he chose to have Cindy there instead of Madonna. And I'm, I do remember at the time that there was sort of a, which camp are you it was, in? It was like the Britney Christina thing in the early 2000s. Like, which one of these is going to have the staying power? But and the thing that doesn't make sense. Everybody thought Cindy Lauper. They, they were willing to have Prince and Michael Jackson in the room. So why not have Madonna and Cindy Lauper there? It, and yeah, Madonna was pretty new to her stardom at that point. She'd been big for about a year. Uh, but actually, the funny thing is when they recorded it, like a Virgin was the biggest song in the country. Right. And if you could have had, and Prince wouldn't do it anyway, if you could have had Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Prince on the same song, I mean, that's like a wow. 80s wish list, right? Yes. There. And Bruce Springsteen just for fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Madonna was not invited to it. But uh, so she did show up at Live Aid. She did perform. One of the interesting things at Live Aid was Bob Dylan showed up. He had been to We Are the World. He had been at the concert for Bangladesh. He was an old hat at these kind of shows then. Uh, one of the things he said on stage that really pissed off Bob Geldof was I hope that some of the money, maybe they can just take a little bit of it, maybe one or two million maybe, and use it, say, to pay the mortgages on some of the farms and the farmers here over the banks. Basically, help out the American farmers too. Which, it doesn't seem like a controversial statement It to does make, not. Bob Geldof there was, are people in need. Bob Geldof is like, yeah, these kids in Africa are dying. This is not the same as a, a farm house being foreclosed on. Which is kind of unkind of Bob Geldof. Uh, and a little short-sighted when you figure that those farmers are the ones who actually are making food that they're producing the food that actually right. is going to feed people. That we're going to send people. to Africa. Right. Uh, but three people who heard what Bob Dylan was saying who were at Live Aid were Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, and Neil Young. And they start Farm Aid. They start Farm Aid later that year, which has become an annual event. And you know who performed at the very first Farm Aid concert? I'm guessing it's going to be someone by the initials of J and D. It is Mr. John Denver. <laughs> See, they invited him to that. 
because they were nice guys. Right. Um, so, yeah, then also from out of Live Aid, David Bowie and Mick Jagger did their cover of Dancing in the Street. I did not realize that that was supposed to be a... Um, that was, it was a part benefit of the, single. A benefit. Yeah. Yeah. It was part of that charity spinoff thing. It was a top ten hit. Uh, I read that uh, the entire the recording of the song and the music video happened in 13 hours start to finish. You can tell that video is so cheap. The video does not look like... Uh, no. It's, it's like someone... Today would be someone going out with their iPhone in, like, in our office. And dancing in a parking lot. Right. <laughs> Which is the funny thing. Have you ever seen the video on YouTube where somebody takes the music out and fakes all the... the just the noise of their feet scuffling and then grunting and stuff. <laughs> yes, it's, I have seen one of those. It's the funniest thing. Uh, also, by the end of 85, while, you know, everybody was in a charitable mood, a song that a lot of people don't know is a benefit song, Dion and Friends. It was like a mini yes. We Are the World. The mm-hmm. song, That's What Friends Are For. You still hear that song all the time today. Right. The genius thing about that song, it was a cover of a Rod Stewart song, but what was so smart is that it wasn't overtly a charity song. It wasn't, you know, we're the children. And because it was children. only four people, it didn't seem like this grand benefit. And I right. think that's why a lot of people didn't realize it was a benefit. It just sounded like a, a pop song at the time. It was. It was a number one hit. It was uh, Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Elton John, and Stevie Wonder. And it was not for African relief. It was for AIDS research, which was pretty groundbreaking in 1985. Pretty bold back then, yeah. was right after Rock Hudson had died. So they got a huge hit out of it. They didn't really bill it as an all-star benefit single. It just right. was. Uh, it was number one for four weeks. Also, right after that, while the you know the charity train's rolling along, a group called Hearing Aid happens, which please tell me that was not for deaf people. It was not for deaf people. Okay. It was all also right. for African <laughs> famine relief, but it was heavy metal. It was you know it's like all these pop stars are going to do this, and all these R and B people are going to do this. The rock right. guys are like we can do it too. So you have the lead singers of Dio, Dokken, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne's part of the choir. These guys were a lot of album. really high notes. I'm a lot guessing. of screechy I, high notes. I don't notes. remember that one. Hearing it was not it, huh? not as big, right. but but it sold because their fans were like, "Well, we'll buy this too." It sure. it still raised several million dollars for this. Wow. Yeah, and so Good we're on like heavy metal. We are at the high point of this going on right now with all these songs, and then with all things, the bottom falls out. Eighty six, hands across America, which uh, was an event that was meant to have people form a human chain holding hands across the United States. It, they, they got a lot of people doing it, uh, but I mean, uh, listen. I, I when you conceive of that, it just sounds way too big. Um, wh- how are we going to do this? But I guess they were feeling so empowered by what Live Aid had done, and We Are the World, and all these things. Like, all right, we can do this. Well, and the, it was, this was intent to was intended to help feed people in America, right? Right. It was uh, the American version of. We are the world, like for people in America. It was this, it was the USA for Africa organization still, right? Uh, and it it kind of bombed. It, uh, people younger might know it. The movie Us, the Jordan Peele movie, at the end, the tethered at the yes. end, they're all holding hands. It was. I remember watching that movie, and I was like, "This feels familiar." It was hands it's across like, America, yeah. right? And a lot of younger people probably had no idea that was actually a real thing. Uh, and a, a funny anecdote, so. You could you had to pay I think like a hundred dollars to hold hands because that's how they raised the funds. Right. Or if you were a corporation or a very wealthy person, you could buy a mile. Right. Which was thirteen thousand dollars. Do you know who the first person to buy a mile was for Hands Across America? I don't. Prince. Wow. I don't know if that was a jab at Michael. Hold on a second. <laughs> Prince, who who didn't show up for We Are the World. Um, by the way, Prince didn't perform for Live Aid either, right? No, he gave a video he gave for, a for a the video, Eyes. Right. But didn't perform. But he stepped up to buy a mile for thirteen. That, that was partly his complaint and why he didn't want to do "We Are the World." Is he's like, it, it's such an egotistical thing. And remember, there was a sign famously above the recording studio for "We Are the World" that said, "Check your ego at the door," right. or "Leave your ego at the door." He's like, you could just give money. 
And he did. After yeah. he died, a lot of stories about his charity came out that nobody yeah. knew about because he just didn't make a big thing out of it. Right. Michael, on the other hand, not to, to crap on Michael because he did a lot of good things. But so Hands Across America, they recorded a song for it. It was a, by a bunch of anonymous session singers. It was not a very good song. It was not. It was not. It seemed like a parody felt, of We Are the World. I was going to say, it's like, it's like, how can we do We Are the World, but we're going to make it different and we're not going to have huge celebrities singing the song. But I have to say, the music video for it probably has more celebrities oh, yeah. making appearances than any other charity song that we're talking about. And yet it, it kind of bombed. bombed. And so, uh, it, yeah, it was part of the USA for Africa organization. So when they were conceiving of the idea of Hands Across America, Michael Jackson, who was on the board of directors for that, obviously, is like, well, we're going to use We Are the World. And like, no, no, we'll do a new song. He was very against that. Uh, there was a promo for it during the Super Bowl that year, and Michael made sure that only We Are the World was played, not the Hands Across America song. And after the song came out, it bombed. It only peaked at number 65, did not raise a ton of money there. Michael resigned from the board of directors of USA for Africa because he was like, nope, I'm not. So then it makes it seem like, yeah, what, what like it, it does make it seem like his egotistical on his part because he wrote "We Are the World." He didn't write this other one. He didn't write the um, yeah, the hands across the America hands across song. America. He, so it does make you feel like he was just in it for, but he wasn't getting the royalties. No, from we he are wasn't. The world anyway, and, and, it was all going and, to charity. And maybe that. It just felt like yeah, it'll, it'll do better. Charity you, can, was, you can sell some more copies of "We Are the World." Nobody's going to buy this "Hands Across America" song by random session singers. And he was right. Yeah. People got tired of this. Uh, there started being so many parodies of this kind of thing. Um, Saturday Night Live had done, over the years, they've done multiple parodies of the all-star celebrity yes. charity song. Uh, In Living Color did one. South Park did it. The Simpsons did it. 30 Rock did one, like, not that long ago. It's, it just became a joke. Yeah. And people lost interest in these songs, sort of just dropped out of favor. And yet, even though some of the people who participated in those uh, parodies end up actually doing uh, one of these charity all-star right. charity songs uh, later down the road. The very strange case of Jamie Foxx being involved in this is really, really <laughs> bizarre. And, but it's funny, like, the regrets people have about that era. In 2010, Bob Geldof, who was the, the godfather of all of this, uh, he said in the Australian Daily Telegraph, I am responsible for two of the worst songs in history. Meaning, Bob, do Bob, they know it's Christmas Bob, Bob, Bob. and we are the worst? Way too hard on yourself. They're not the worst songs in the world. No, I, I, I still think, listen, every Christmas people listen to that song and sing along in their cars. I'm not right. going to sing it, but do they, they know it's Christmas? Give us, give us is, it works. And it's been remade so many times. There was They did a Band-Aid 2 in 1989, five years later for the fifth anniversary. They did it in 2004 for the 20th, 2014 for the 30th. Maybe by the end of this year we'll get another updating of Do They Know It's Christmas for the, the 40th. The proof that those two songs have lasting power and that they still work is that every anniversary they may, they redo those songs. Right. We Are The World has been redone several times. Several times now. And not all of them bad. No. The, one of the funniest ones, so by the early 90s, these songs were kind of out of fashion. Uh, then they, they sort of came back for a little brief moment, partly inspired by the Gulf War in 91. Right. Uh, you had two very different takes on the charity all-star single. Lenny Kravitz got together with Yoko Ono and Sean Ono to do a cover of John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. Which makes sense as a, a war. Yeah, it was uh, sort of the, the anti-war. It was like, they were called the Peace Choir. Uh, and that one didn't do as well. Only number 54. But uh, around that exact same time. I'm surprised time, by that too, because it, they had big names. 
And there's nothing, that song, everybody can sing along to. I mean, everybody it's knows that song. very redundant, right. but it's, you know, that's the point of the song. And it's interesting, usually you wouldn't do a cover song because you want the royalties to go toward it, but right. since Yoko Ono's involved, she then would she have say on that. she signed off on that, right. right. And, because she's John's And widow. at the time, Lenny Kravitz was a big star. Like, that yeah. was, he was coming out that, at that point. Right. So. That one didn't do as well. It got a little uh, uh, outshined by a song called Voices That Care. Now, here's the thing about Voices That Care. Voices That Care is in that same mold of um, of We Are The World, that sort of pop ballad. It was probably the biggest take on that concept since We Are The World. Right. It was David Foster, who's a, a huge producer, married to Catherine McPhee now, and uh, his buddy Peter Cetera from Chicago, who had left the band at that point. They put this, like, this is like that, that schmaltzy, sentimental, feel-good thing. Right. The song and the group were called Voices That Care. So these were both about the Gulf War. Uh, this one, they had uh, Celine Dion, who had only had one huge hit in America at that point. She was still kind of a new artist. Uh, country stars coming in. You got Randy Travis, Garth Brooks, who was also just becoming an A-list superstar. Michael Bolton. Nelson? Remember Nelson? Yes, I remember Nelson. Ricky Nelson's <laughs> twin sons, who had just had a number one song called Can't Live Without Your Can't Love and Affection. Yeah. They are the blip. Every once in a while in these, you get the blip. The person that was hot in the moment, and you get why they're invited. Right. But they are already forgotten <laughs> By the time the song comes out, <laughs> Nelson did not have a long career there. Uh, also, the choir, like with, uh, you were saying, like they get actors and athletes involved, like Hands Across America. The choir had uh, Kevin Costner in it, Meryl Streep, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Mike Tyson, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Just a lot of kind of random, yeah. Henry, Henry Winkler and Alyssa Milano were in it. But, you know, you, you know what happens in Hollywood. Someone has the idea, some agent or a manager has the idea, and then you, they get four or five people, and then they tell the next 10 people, well, we have this person, this person, and everybody feels like, I don't want to be left out. Well, this also, is gonna, and they know it's going to be a huge thing because, I mean, after the, when the Gulf War broke out, it was a huge thing in this country. You have Whitney Houston singing at the, the National Super yeah, Bowl. Was, and Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA gets dusted right. off again. So nobody wants to be left and out. Also, you, you, you want to be a part of it, but even if you don't, I think you feel like you can't say no. I gotta do it. You don't uh, want to be the one. This song, was, it was pretty successful. Got to number eleven with certified gold. Raised some some okay. funds. The, the the timing was a little off. I'm surprised it was as big a hit as it was because they released a documentary about the making of this song in the video, kind of like We Are the World. I think they were envisioning it was going to be that, but it premiered on February 28th, 1991, which is the day the Gulf War ended. <laughs> so this was this whole <laughs> morale for the troops for a war that just finished. Right, uh, which was a good thing that the war finished. Yes. But uh, yes, it's definitely scrapped the single. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Or the success of the single. So going through the 90s, there were a couple bit more moments with this. Uh, 1994, it wasn't for charity, but it was another all-star group. This was an all R&B one. Uh, Black Men United, shortened to just BMU. Love that song. Yeah, it's called just, You Will Know. It was on the Jason's Lyric soundtrack. What I didn't know about that until we were doing the research was that D'Angelo Wrote that song. Right, before his first album had even come out. Right. Right, and some of the people right, in that, so. Boyz II Men, who were the biggest act on earth at the time. Mm -hmm. Usher, who was probably 13, 14 years old. R. Kelly. <laughs> uh, now we cringe. Yeah. But in 1994, <laughs> oh, he was... He, it was everything. That right. was the year of bump and grind. Of course you want him on it. In 95, this, <laughs> this is one of my favorite things. So the American Music Awards, mm -hmm. 1995. It's the 10th anniversary, the night of the recording of We Are right. the World. So Quincy Jones, Harry Belafonte, Lionel Richie, they come out at the end of the night and they're like, we're going to have an all-star sing-along for the 10th anniversary to celebrate mm -hmm. all the good we did. 
And so you had Michael Bolton doing it, Anita Baker was there, uh, yep. Aaliyah, Tim McGraw, all, who and were new all stars, on stage, and they just did all it all together. Live. Right. The funny thing is that night, that AMA's Prince was given a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Right. And this is when he was going by the the symbol instead of his name. Well, he has to be on stage for that. Right. This time and he's he in a he's in a very distinct yellow right outfit. Says NPG. He got big heavy sunglasses, right. and he's right in the middle of the stage because he was the biggest star on the stage at that yeah. point. Does he finally sing it? Does he cave in to 10 years of pressure? No. Nope. nope. He stands nope. there with a lollipop in his mouth, and he's just like, I'll be here for it, but I'm not singing this crappy song. I didn't want to sing it then. I ain't going to sing it now. <laughs> Quincy Jones comes up, and I also love that you know this bugged Quincy Jones for 10 years. Yes. It's like, that was the one we got wanted and couldn't and get. And he's on the stage, and Quincy says, all right, here's the moment. I'm going to get him to sing. He hands the, puts the microphone in front of him. Prince pulls the lollipop out of his mouth and sticks it in Quincy's <laughs> face like a microphone, holds it, and when Quincy Jones sticks his tongue out and goes to lick it, Prince pulls it back away from him and puts it back in his own mouth. How are you going to do Quincy like that, Prince? I mean, kind of dickish, but kind of funny. How are you going to uh, do Quincy like that? So uh, but there's, there's a case of a guy who was so, I guess, um, at ease in his conviction that he didn't want to do this and the reasons he didn't want to do it, that he just stood on it and he didn't cave into the pressure that right. we just talked about which is where you feel like you have to do it, otherwise you're going to be the bad guy. Prince is like, no, I'm just not yeah, going to do I, it. I, I don't do these things. Right. This was also like, as this is going on, you start, like, that, the backlash against these starts getting, like, it became a joke. Like, it was so easy to make fun of celebrities trying to save the world. Uh, In Living Color did one called Career Aid, where <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey played <laughs> Willie Nelson, and it was about singers. It was, it was, they were parodying all the original We Are the World people. This right. was in 92, so eight, seven, eight years after the fact. Uh, also, the, the Simpsons had an episode where Bart pretended to be trapped in a well. He threw a walkie-talkie down a well, and he pretended to be a little boy named Timmy O'Toole. And all the people came. Krusty the Clown creates a, a, a sing-along, and they write a song called Sending Our Love Down the Well. Sting came and did his own voice. And it was just this, it's like, look at how ridiculous this is. These right. celebrities coming together for dumb things. Right. And it just kind of killed the whole thing off. Until, because it always comes back. Right. We hit the 21st century. And we are the world. Oh, before that. Oh, 2000, yeah. 2001. 2001 was interesting because... This one's really interesting. This was sort of a, a halted attempt at doing this again. So the summer of 2001, these uh, artists who called themselves uh, Artists United Against AIDS Worldwide, they do a cover of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And they record it, and it's got like... It is a who's who of turn of the century I, I watched stars. the video, and it is... First of all, by the way, I think maybe since We Are the World, the best produced music video and song like right it just well, and, and the the people the talent they got so destiny's child you got beyonce there britney spears nsync the backstreet boys jennifer lopez mary j blige ja rule fred durst from limp biscuit which you roll your eyes now but right. at that at time, time he yeah. could sell a million records in a week so they released this as a, ushers a, on there also yeah. diddy quest love is playing uh, like right yeah. and so then it comes out it's recorded in the summer of 2001 it's an aids charity record uh, specifically for AIDS research in Africa, because Africa, you know, Africa yeah. was having a really it, just a bad time with AIDS, like it was just running rampant. Uh, it's recorded in the summer. It's released in October. It comes yeah. out a few weeks after September 11th. Right. And so suddenly, nobody wants a charity record about AIDS research in October of 2001. So, and they can't change it because the name, the the artist name on the the record is, is right. artist and against already AIDS printed, worldwide. Right, they printed out the labels. Every all the artwork is done. Back when you had to go buy physical singles, there weren't right. downloads yet. So then they tried to pivot and say, well, it's also for the Red Cross to try and raise money. 
The song only got to number 27. It just it wasn't it really the right time. Like it was that was it was a great song. Christina Aguilera is on yeah. that, and and it's what's going on, which is just one of the greatest songs of all time. Of anyway, uh, but yeah, just it, people weren't in the mood for that. People did turn to music. Whitney Houston's Star Spangled Banner sure. came back. Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA came mm-hmm. up again. Inya's Only Time became a big hit because it just it was the mood. It was just the feeling. Right. People were sad, and so this kind of song. They were finally in the mood for Inya. <laughs> finally in the mood <laughs> for Enya. Uh, so sort of a, an aborted attempt at bringing this song back. But in the late 2000s, it came back in a big way. 2008, uh, there was a TV special aired on all the major networks at once called Stand Up to Cancer. And an all-female yeah. trio, the uh, super group, came up. Uh, it was called Artist Stand Up to Cancer. The song was called Just Stand Up. And again, like huge stars, Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Miley Cyrus, who's going to be involved in a couple of these, uh, Rihanna, Carrie Underwood, Mary J. Blige, Melissa Etheridge, who had just survived cancer herself, that did really well because this hit in the iTunes era. And that's partly right. what helped this is that, as we said, the the cover of what's going on, they had to press up a physical CD single. They, by the right. time they could ship it, the timing was off. This you could do immediately. So two million downloads of this song are sold. Uh, it raises a ton of money. At the time, it was also very cool that you could just pull out a device. Yeah, you just click and I I gave a dollar to cancer research and I get a new Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Miley Cyrus song. 2010. It's now the anniversary of We Are The World. 25th anniversary of this song. Uh, We Are The World, 25 for Haiti. Because was that after the earthquake had happened in Haiti? Right, Right, devastating earthquake in Haiti. And sort of the the Harry Belafonte this time is Wyclef Jean, who is Mm -hmm. Haitian. Uh, And... You know, Lionel Richie is happy. Every time he can dust off We Are the World, Lionel Richie is happy to do it. So they organized the 25th anniversary as a uh, fundraiser for Haiti. And you have, again, Miley Cyrus shows up. That's three in a row. Tony Bennett. We got quite an age range there. Celine Dion again. Usher again. Pink. Adam Levine. Isn't Justin Bieber on that one too? Justin Bieber. Let's listen to the first Very line. young Justin it's, it's Bieber. It's Justin Bieber who would have been, I think, 15, <laughs> along with Jennifer Hudson. This is the first line of that version of We Are the World. There comes a time when we hit a certain call When the world must come together as one Also there, wow. Nicole Scherzinger from the and Pussycat Jennifer Dolls. Hudson. It's so weird, Justin Bieber's voice hadn't changed yet. Right, it really hadn't it's changed. Really it bizarre. If you didn't know that was him, you'd be like, who's that kid? Right, and also the funny thing, the, one of the singers on that and the person who introduced the video and how important it was and honored, honoring to be a part of it was Jamie Foxx. With Lionel Richie, who uh-huh. he had made fun of right. 15 years before. Uh, See, these things come back to bite you in the ass. They, they always do. And then Jamie did his impression of Ray Charles, because Ray Charles had been on the original We Are the World. Right. Obviously, he had passed Died away at, at that, that point. point. So Jamie, coming off of Ray, does his impression. <laughs> also, this time, I know they meant well, because they were trying to make it a hit in 2010, and obviously the biggest genre of music is rap. It's now hip-hop at that point. So, so they... they work in this really bizarre rap. It just this. felt forced in because the original song, the melody that everybody knows, was not written to have a rap in it. No, not, it was not, not at all. So it felt kind of, I know it was well-intentioned, and also, like you said, they wanted to make it a hit, so you got to get rappers on it. And they got, they got LL Cool J, Will I Am, Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes. Kanye had a, an extended verse on it, which makes sense in 2010. Sure. Uh, the song, it, it's... It was and it wasn't a success. Uh, it debuted at number two, which is that's, pretty impressive. That's right okay. behind. It sounds like a success. Right. It got blocked by Kesha's TikTok, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, two very different kind of songs. <laughs> totally different vibes. Uh, but it right. sold almost 300,000 downloads in its first week. This was the peak of the iTunes era. 
And so the song debuted high, but it dropped off the chart in a little over a month. It did not have a lot of staying power. And that's sort of the problem with this is people are going to be attracted to it initially because, oh, it's We Are the World. It's familiar. You know it. You go to it. Right. But it's never going to be bigger than that original moment was. And it's not because a radio isn't what it was. Yeah, radio's right? not. Where when We Are the World, the original came out, everybody had similar listening experiences. Right. Now everybody can individualize their listening experience. So you never, this is never going to be You're, what that was. And nobody's going to seek that out. Right. Other than just the curiosity of, oh, let's hear all these random, let's hear Justin Bieber and Tony Bennett on a song together. I don't know. 2019, we're back to climate change again. Lil Dicky decides he's going to do an all-star charity single called Earth. It's called Earth. It's called Earth. Uh, it was an animated video about different kind of animals and plants trying to survive climate change. And he got huge stars, Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande. Snoop Dogg was a marijuana plant because, of course, he was. Uh, Ed Sheeran, Miley Cyrus, the, the new queen of charity singles. She shows up on this. Katy Perry, Leonardo DiCaprio as himself because he's a climate activist. Critics destroyed this. Because like you can't, it was meant to be sincere and it did raise some money. It debuted in the top 20, but dropped off very quickly. You can't make fun of it and be earnest about it right. at the same time. Not right. this kind of thing, because it's by its nature, and these people songs aren't going to buy into it. If, yeah. If they know you're making fun of it, then what's yeah. the, right? Or if you're watching it to make fun of it, you don't want all this, like, you don't want Leonardo DiCaprio telling you to save the earth. Right. So that kind of bombed and became a joke. Then in 2020, during COVID, two things. One, Lionel Richie wanted to do. Uh, 35th anniversary 35th version anniversary. of We Are the World for COVID relief. Mercifully, that did not happen because I don't know what that would have been like. Um, but then Gal Gadot, the actress, Wonder Woman, mm. decided to do her all-star charity thing to make to, to lift spirits during quarantine. It wasn't even really going to raise money. No, this was just because no. it was everyone's at home, so it was more of a sort of social media. It was trying thing. to go viral. She right. covered Imagine, which we learned with Give Peace a Chance. Don't touch the John Lennon songs. You think I know it's it tempting, is? but that's not no, because those songs are never going to be better than his original. You got to right. do a new song. Uh, everybody hated this song. All the celebrities involved were just met with such contempt and mockery. Well, it just uh, felt because everybody was going like everyone was impacted by that particular crisis that we were in, and it wasn't like just thinking about people in another country who were starving, or even people in this country who were starving. This was something. Because not everybody experiences that. And this was, we were all going through it. And the last thing anybody wanted was a bunch of celebrities getting together. Really good looking wealthy people telling you, it'll be okay. Right. The funniest thing, uh, Chris O'Dowd, the Irish actor, has been in a ton of stuff. Uh, he did an interview later that year. And he had been part of it. And he said he regretted it and called it creative diarrhea. Which is kind of Pretty where accurate. we are on charity singles right now. Yeah. But. I will say. When I watched the We Are the, the the Greatest Night in Pop documentary, it made me the first thing I thought was, they couldn't do this today. They absolutely could not do this couldn't today. They just they? couldn't. And then I I started. I was talking to a friend, and I said, "Look, all right, you can put these people on the list." And I was like, "Obviously, you have like Beyonce, Adele, Taylor Swift, Rihanna." And then I was like, "And then that's it." And then my friend goes, "Yeah, but what about like?" Um, what about Justin Timberlake? And I was like, okay. And then I go, uh, well, no. what about Justin Bieber? Yeah. All right. It doesn't have, have to Bieber. be. Yeah. It, it, you could even still, from the original, you still get Stevie Wonder on well, it. You could do it. He was the at the Grammys. The interesting thing was, so my friend and I ended up putting together this list. And now I go, oh, wait, I think we have more people than the original <laughs> We Are the World. And what's interesting is that a lot of the people are people who were on the the version that the they did. The 2010 version. Yeah, the 2010 version. Right. Um, so I ended up with the ones I mentioned, Lady Gaga. Usher, I feel like Drake 
would be kind of the prince. Like maybe he Drake might hold a, out. You'd want Taylor and Drake, and Drake would not do it. Right. Um, Dave Grohl is always down gotta for charity. Got to have some rock. Uh, Bruno Mars, Chris Stapleton, get some country sure. in there. Um, Jennifer Lopez, maybe The Weeknd. Not sure if he would do it either. Probably Ed not. Sheeran, um, Morgan Wallen. Did, some did, people might you invite have a him with that. because he's got such a fan base and such streaming power. He does, and that's but why he's going to put off a lot him. of people too. Maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, Katy Perry. Um, then I call it the Voice Group. You can put in Blake Shelton, <laughs> John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, all the um, judges from the Voice. Yes, yeah. Luke Bryan from American of Idol, course. Gwen Stefani from the Voice, um, and then some legends who are on the original. You can still do Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, and, and even though it didn't work in 2010, you got to put the rap on it. Yes, but you got to have future. You got to change the Travis Scott. A part of the song though. Yeah. You can't have it be to the same melody. There's got to be a bridge. Yeah, you got to have something. And then you got, you know, you get Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. You can't have her. Andy well, you can't have them twerking have on all, it. Yeah. Well, you can't have them twerking on it, Eric. <laughs> That's not gonna work. We wanted, for... This is for the children, Charles. <laughs> this is for the children. It's Twerk different for the kids. twerking. The twerking for kids. How are we going to sell this? All right, all right, maybe. Now, now you've convinced me. WAP, wet-ass philanthropy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? That is all kinds of but wrong. next but year is the 40th anniversary. Something's going to happen. Someone is going to do it. Um, and There are a lot of bad things happening in the world right now. There's a lot of things you could raise money for. Uh, I hope that somebody does it. I hope they do it justice because the original, not just a great moment from my childhood, but a great moment for pop. The greatest um, night in pop. The greatest night in pop. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us yeah. on our maiden voyage of Get to the Hook. And um, we look forward to talking about uh, great music moments with you guys. Um, great conversations we have here, and we want to share them with you. So right. thanks hope for listening. we'll be back. Thanks for listening.